Friends, let's open our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2, and we're just going to study one verse today, verse 10. I love that providentially, it is Reformation Sunday when we talk about being saved by grace through faith and not by works, and our passage today happens to be all about doing good works, Ephesians 2.10. And in fact, my sermon title is Working Hard at Good Works. So I'm going to read this and I'm going to pray that if Martin Luther were sitting here today, we would hear a sermon in such a way that he would not email me 95 theses this week. Would he see the gospel of grace in this? So let me read for us, which is part of our memory work that we're doing on Sunday mornings, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Let's pray together. This is all grace. This is all you. It's what you've done to prepare us to this point. It's what you plan to do in us today and tomorrow and until you come again. Let us see it is all God and it is all grace for us to be a church that rolls up our sleeves, that gives generously, that, that acts sacrificially, that sweats, that bleeds for the kingdom, that works really, really, really hard at doing really, really good things for your kingdom and for your glory forever and ever. Amen. Well, last week we kind of began this passage, right? And we talked about the difference between good, good works and bad, good works. That can be hard to follow, but we said that when we're talking about works in the Christian life, when we read it in this passage, when we're talking about works in general, inside or outside the church, a work is an act of obedience, A work is an act of obedience, and we're saying, we're making the point that there can be good obedience and there can be bad obedience. Not all obedience, not all good works are created equal. Let me ask you a trick question. A man comes into the church this week, and he hands one of our deacons $100 towards mercy ministry. Now, is that a good, good work or a bad, good work? Which one is it? Well, if we're understanding what we've been talking about last week and what we'll talk about this week, we would say to ourselves, I don't know. I don't have enough information. Just seeing the activity that is done does not tell me enough about this person's heart. If this man is not a Christian and he thinks by giving this hundred dollars, he is going to get God's attention. Like God will see the good activity that he's doing and maybe God will start to dismiss the bad activity he had been doing and maybe God will come to see that his good deeds outweigh his bad deeds and he will begin to love this man and welcome him into his kingdom. If that's the posture of this man in giving that money, then the Bible emphatically says that this is a bad good work. It looks like a good work, but it's a bad good work. And we get that from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. Two verses before. 
For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. Doing, effort, action, work has no part in our testimonies. If you are searching for God, if you are here this morning and are honest about your journey and you don't know where you are with Christ, do not come up in here doing. Do not work hard to achieve or to earn grace. Earn grace is an oxymoron. And we don't even serve merited grace in that, this church. That, that's the cheaper version, and we don't even have that here to offer. If you want to be compensated for your efforts, you're looking for in the coffee shop next door where you can work as a barista and you will be paid an hourly wage and you will be compensated for what you do. We don't have that here in the church. We have the treasure of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is unmerited, unearned, unbartered for grace to you in Christ Jesus. That's what we have to offer here. If you come doing a good work with the expectation that God will love you and save you, that is a bad good work. We also said that that's work done outside of Jesus. There's also work done near Jesus. That's also a bad work. If this person is coming and this person is very proud of themselves for giving this $100 and they want other people to know about this and they do this as a way of boasting in the church that they're a decent person who does good things, then Ephesians 2 verse 9 says that also is a bad good work because our life in Christ is, quote, not a result of works so that no one may boast. That's a work that's done near Jesus, in Jesus' name, inside the church, but it is a bad, good work. It is never what he intended for us to do. Does that make sense? All of a sudden, the activity, the obedience, the work itself is too hard to judge by. A man giving $100 towards mercy is not enough to say what is going on in his heart, and is this a bad, good work or a good, good work? Now last week we ended on a note of encouragement and we said, Christian, take heart. Jesus comes not just to save us from our sins, but he also comes to save us from our bad, good work. Even though everything we do is tainted by sin, Jesus cleanses us from our sin and from our bad, good work. Our good works will never outweigh our bad works, but Jesus' work will outweigh them all. And here's what's so surprising about thinking about the bad good works that we do and the danger for doing those bad good works. Even though this business of working hard in the church is fraught with danger, we can bring our pride, we can bring our boasting, we can be seeking merited grace, even though it is fraught with pitfalls and dangers, Jesus still in his kindness says, I have delivered you and I have saved you and I want to launch you into this world to work hard at good works. I'm willing to take that risk and I want you, church, to work really hard at doing good works. Not works done outside of Jesus, not works done near Jesus, but as our passage will say this morning, works that are done squarely in the person and the work of Jesus. So let's look at our verse 
It's got two parts to it, and it wants to tell us two things about good works in the Christian life. The first is, we are God's work. And the second is, we do God's work. We are God's work, and we do God's work. That's what we're going to see here in verse 10. Number one, first of all, we are God's work. As always... The gospel begins not with the wonderful, active, great stuff we do for God, but the beautiful, glorious, unmerited things that God in his kindness, that God because he's rich in mercy, that God because he's steadfast in his love, he does first for us. Look at verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for God's good works. We are his workmanship. We are God's masterpiece. We are, according to this passage, God's work of art. Now, Christian, when is the last time you have described yourself as God's masterpiece, as God's work of art? I bet it's been a while, but you find it here in Ephesians 2.10. This is how God is talking behind your back. This is what he's saying about you. This person, this saint, is my masterpiece. God holds each of our lives, each of our stories in his hands as carefully crafted design that he turns around and according to chapter 3 displays to the watching world. It's a piece of art that he is proud of. Now I want to chew on that for a second because as each of us begin to think back over our lives and, and the stuff that makes us who we are today, I know that we think of a lot of good stuff that is the stuff of masterpieces, but then we also think of a lot of bad stuff that has happened in our lives, and we wonder how the two of those things are going to come together. You think about the good stuff that has, has, has made you the man or the woman or the child that you are today. You think about all the things that have poured into that. You have mentors. You have friends. You read good books. You hear incredible sermons week after week. You, you, you spend a lifetime in the Bible, not the 15 minutes you did on Monday morning, but the accumulation of the time you spend in God's Word. You get to watch people live out their Christian lives before you. All of these are like a delta. They're streams. They flow into this life, and they make a rich and a beautiful life. That's the stuff of masterpieces. We think a little bit about that. But then I think our minds immediately go to the bad stuff in our lives. Things that we've done that we wish we hadn't done. Things that we've seen that we wish somehow we could unsee. Things that we can't take back. Suffering and sin and addiction and hard home lives growing up and hard home lives now. And that looks like the stuff of art gone bad. That looks like the picture of Dorian Gray. Those are hard pieces of our story. And yet I want you to hear this from Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. God in his kindness, he takes the whole of it, the bad and the good. He fashions it together 
And he says, this person here, this saint, is my masterpiece. This is my workmanship. This is the one who I have designed in Christ Jesus to do good works. There is not a redeemed, born-again, spirit-filled, Bible-wielding believer who is not now ready in God's kindness for every good work in store for us. The Bible says this a bunch of times, but it's easy to miss. I think of a a familiar place, it says this, but we kind of miss what it's saying because... Oftentimes we use 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 as an apologetic for the fact that the Bible is inspired by God, which it is, and this is beautiful, and so we say to one another, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful or profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God, the messenger of God, might be equipped for what? Equipped for Every good work, every good work, my workmanship is equipped for. Christian, as you stand this morning, you are equipped in Christ for every good work he has prepared for you. You have been carefully prepared. Your life, the good and the bad things, have shaped the person and the story you are today. You are equipped. You lack nothing. God has done everything in your life needed to make you live a life of good, good works. Yes, you are tainted by sin. Yes, you will be dogged with boasting. Yes, your good works may not look as neat and clean as the person sitting next to you. But all the same, the first word we say about good work is that you are God's work and he has done all things well. It's a masterpiece. It's a beautiful, messy thing to behold in the church. You're ready to do these things because of God's kindness. That's the first word about work. You are God's work. You are what God has produced. You are the masterpiece, the workmanship that he has prepared. And once we have that understanding of God and his grace and his kindness in us, we're ready for the second point of our verse, which is we do God's work. Verse 10 goes on to say, after We know that we're designed for good work, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So together, verse 10 is saying, not only does God prepare us for our good works, he actually goes on to prepare our good works for us. So like he's over here on the one side and he's getting us ready and he's preparing us and he's making us his workmanship so that we're equipped for every good work. And he once he gets that done, then he goes over here to the good works that are going to come our way and they're not ready yet. And so he prepares them and he places them before us so that when we greet our neighbors, when we join a church, when we participate in a life group, when we see needs that come our way, the good works are actually in God's providence already made ready for us. so that we simply need to, by God's power, walk in them. All of a sudden, it becomes crystal clear why 
boasting, bragging in good works is anathema in the Christian life. Because God is doing everything. He's doing everything on our side to get us ready. He's doing everything on the work side to prepare that for us. He has done everything to make the whole of it ready so that when we roll out of bed tomorrow morning, we are equipped, prepared, and we have the good work to do sitting right in front of us. That takes a lot of work on God's part, and it rules out any kind of boasting that we could have in our Christian lives. Now, let me illustrate that with a ridiculous Halloween illustration, okay? This is coming up on Wednesday. Think about all the hard work it's going to take to get your kids, your nephews, your nieces dressed and ready and rehearsed and at people's door for trick-or-treating. I mean, some of you are already sweating right now when you think about what it's going to take to get you from Sunday to Wednesday, Because you are going to spend money. You're going to spend more money than you were planning to spend. You're going to sew costumes and then they're going to break and you're going to repair them between now and Wednesday. You're going to buy those dumb plastic buckets from the dollar store that you saved in the attic from last year, but you're not going to find them by Wednesday. You're going to find them when you get out your Christmas decorations. You're going to find 20 of them, but you've bought four more for this year. And then you're going to dress your kids, and then you're going to bring them to the neighborhood, and then you're going to walk them not in people's yards, but on the walkway and up to the house and teach them to say please and thank you at every single house that you're at. And you're going to move them from house to house and then you're going to bring them safely home at the end of the night and you're going to be done and as your child sits there in front of this cascading pile of candy that is going to last till new year's day and you're exhausted and you're laying on the ground and you're massaging your calves and you say could you just please pass me a snickers bar And your child says to you, this is my candy. (laughs) You, You go get your candy. And it's like, hang on a second. Give me that Snickers. That is my Snickers. I will straight flush the rest of that candy down the toilet, even if it breaks the toilet. This ain't your candy talking about your candy. Your candy, my butt or finger. This is not your candy. This is my candy. I'm letting you have some of my candy. We do that, right? We're going to do that with our kids. And then you and I are going to turn around and do the exact same thing in the Christian life, right? We're going to say, look at me. Look at what I did this week. I did good stuff. I was generous. I was kind to my spouse. I wash the dishes without being asked. I participate in church. I do more in this church than anybody else does. I I do good work. And God, metaphorically, is massaging his calves. And he's saying, are you kidding me? It took a ton of work to get you ready to turn around and do the good works that I prepared beforehand for you to do. There is absolutely no space, no room for boasting in our good works in the church 
or the Christian life. Good works in our lives, when we see them, acts of righteousness, are yet another reason to turn around and give glory and praise to God. Isn't that what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount? Let your good works shine before men so that they might see them and what? Give you a pat on the back because they're proud of you? No, there's something about the good work you just did that makes a fellow human being turn around and give glory to their Father who is in heaven. You're going to hide a lot of your good works. You can't hide all of them because you're being kind and generous to other people, because our church is being mobilized for mercy in the city. It's going to affect lives and communities, and we won't be able to hide that part of it, but we don't do it to boast. We do it so that somebody looks across the room and takes notice and says, I know that person, and this is not coming from them. This is telling me something about their Father who is in heaven. There is grace all over this thing. There's grace in the workmanship, the people who do good works, and there's grace in the good works themselves, that God supernaturally has us look outside of ourselves to do good things one for another. And when the church really sets about doing good work, like rolls up his sleeves and works in such a way that it feels like a cruciform life, like the church is is following in the footsteps of Jesus himself and taking up our cross and dying in such a way that Paul says that if there's no resurrection from the dead, we of all people are to be most pitied. The world looks at us and says... If Jesus is not true, I pity these people. I spent a lot of time and a lot of money and a lot of energy and a lot of Sunday mornings and a lot of life group evenings and a lot of going to a halfway house and a strip club and mentoring and teaching adult literacy and there's nothing after death and I pity these people. That will be the church's badge of honor. Because it is all God and it is all grace. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, forgive us of our boasting which taints absolutely everything we do. I don't think I've preached a sermon in my life where I haven't hoped that someone would recognize the good work that I've done. Forgive me. Forgive us. We are a tainted people. Would you turn around and mobilize us as the church to do our good deeds before a watching world in such a way that they see that light shining and they glorify our Father who is in heaven. It's all you. It's all grace. Mobilize us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.